morning and welcome to Recovery Central. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Richard. Yes, and the sun is threatening to come back today. It's quite hot this morning, yeah, it was. After considerable rain, although that did make something happen in the garden for me. I put this potato in the bag uh -huh. that had sprouted a bit and put some soil on it. And even though the soil in the back garden's a bit ropey, I put this in and then I kept watering it. And now we've had rain and suddenly there's a plant in there. A plant? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it is a potato plant. I've checked. But there are actually potatoes in there. Oh. I'm, I'm going to experiment with this. So either today or tomorrow, I'm going to dig them up. How does one dig them out of a bag? But it worked. Uh, oh, yes. And I haven't even done breakfast yet, have I? Again. Anyway, what have we got today? We've got something slightly different today in that we are looking at some of the excuses we've received. Yeah, and I put out a request on social media, and we've had a fair few. We've had a few, haven't we? We've got the sticks and the bins, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, and while it does tend to boil down to I can't means I won't, mm -hmm. they're really quite creative, and some of the ones we've had are, are so true to yeah. life, yeah. even when they sound ridiculous. Well, that's sleep treatment. Some of them I can relax on very well. Anyway, should we start with an Agony Aunt letter? Yes. Dear Jim, Jack and Jess, It's taken me a long time to write this, and even longer to face up to writing it. It's strange, because there are things I have to write every day because of work. This, however, has been a different matter entirely. You see, I have a problem. Or is it my wife? I'm not sure. That's why I'm writing. If this first bit doesn't make sense, perhaps you could miss it out when you read this through again. It might help me, possibly, although I'm not really sure. Anyway, it all started when one of the church wardens fell into the pond on Palm Sunday two years ago. I was doing the ironing at home when the phone rang, as my wife was so unsteady on her feet that she walked into me, causing me to drop the iron onto my foot as she tried to answer the phone. The church warden had to be given mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, at which point he accused the local doctor of being a homosexual predator and ran away. I arrived late at the scene, the scalding of my foot still fresh in my memory. It turned out that the church warden had been regularly helping himself to the communion wine. I already knew, of course, because I've always taken my duties as a vicar very seriously, checking the communion wine up to three times a day. I have a deal with a reputable vineyard in Bulgaria, although that's not what it says on my tax returns. Unfortunately, because there was such a kerfuffle around the incident, some malingerer called the police and we were all breathalyzed at the scene. Needless to say, we all tested positive. In fact, the police dared to suggest that we were engaged in some grotesque drunken carousing. Well, that's not what they called it, but you know what I mean. Anyway, the long and the short of it is, I need to have both my wife and the church warden sent to rehab. Is there any way I can do it by calling it something else so that I can simply run it through the church accounts? Obviously, I need my wife out of the house as she's a liability and the church warden is clearly an alcoholic. I've checked the communion wine again today and apart from the two bottles I drink every morning, the warden has been drinking a whole bottle on his lunch break every day. That can't be healthy for anyone, can it? Can you please advise? Thanks. Reverend P.P. Fortescue, St Albans. Isn't it? It's given away at the end, isn't it? Yeah. The church warden's been nicking communion wine, and then he just throws in casually at the end. Exactly. Apart from the two bottles I drink for breakfast every morning. That's it. That's the. That's, that's science saying you're doing the business. 
and it's the wife who's an alcoholic and the church warden who's an alcoholic. Well, I didn't fall into the pond. He did. He fell in the pond and had to be resuscitated. So he nearly died in the pond. He's having a hot iron on the foot. That made him cringe, that bit. Very painful. And his wife's cause. He's getting rid of the wife, getting rid of the warden, so he can sit back and enjoy all the communal wine for himself. But he's not paying for it. Well, he's obviously fiddling his tax returns, mm. isn't he? Yeah. He's obviously drinking communion wine every morning. And he wants his wife off to rehab through the books of the church. Yeah. I know it's wrong, but yeah, that makes sense. I can understand him wanting to avoid yeah. the social kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. And I can understand him wanting to be discreet. And I think a lot of people want to do that, especially if they're talking about sending a member of their family to rehab. Mm -hmm. But again, it's that projection, isn't it? it is the church warden is this rampant alcoholic who's drinking one bottle, a whole bottle on his lunch break, lunch. while the vicar is having two bottles for breakfast. But and because he's in charge... It's the church warden who's the problem. It's probably because he's in charge and he hasn't caused an issue yet. So if the warden's nearly dead in the pond and his wife's dropped the iron and he hasn't done anything like that. I'm still doing my job. Yeah. I'm not the one who's visually making a mess. I'm not the one that the whole community can see staggering about. They just think I'm a bit tipsy most of the time. So he's a functioning alcoholic. And of course, because I'm in charge, I don't want to be the one who's yeah. given the stigma of going to rehab and coming back out again. Yeah, to send the wife. I don't want this to be public, whereas if I send my wife, I can make it look like I'm taking action on a problem and I'm helping her, yeah. like any vicar would. But the thing he's missed is, if he sends the church warden and his wife to rehab, persuades them to go, mm -hmm. he's going to be left with his problem. Oh yeah, we love that one. Eh? He's going to be left in the vestry with three bottles of wine yeah. to drink every day, so yeah. that he can make his accounts balance. Because for so long, the warden's had one a day, and he's had two. Do you think that's the case? He can't possibly be honest on this, can he? Yeah. Not if he's been fiddling his accounts for that long. Do you think it's the plan? That's what I was just thinking. So, they're too much bother for him, aren't they? They're too much bother for his drinking career. He wants them out of the game. He doesn't need them. He's probably—it's the stock, isn't it? Stock, he's trying to increase his stock for himself. Mm. He wants all the wine. If it's as simple as that, it's remarkably cynical to just say, I'm going to send these two people away to rehab because they need it. And incredibly self-centred to assume that he can just carry on doing what he's doing. Yeah, I can carry on drinking my two bottles every morning. Then I can have one at lunch as well because the church warden's gone to the priory. Well, at least that's two out of three of them on the menu. I suppose so, but again, it's that dynamic, isn't it? Because we don't know what the church warden thinks and what the wife thinks, mm -hmm. and because this is subjective, obviously, being a letter, yeah. he's given himself away at the end where he said, I drink two bottles every morning. Yeah, just but otherwise, he makes all this mayhem the responsibility of those other people. It's like the other one we read about the family where yeah. they're all projecting onto each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, I'm all right because he's not. He's done this and she's done that and that's what they've gone up to. I bet he's fallen down a few times as well. Of course, yeah. but they haven't seen it. Yeah, of course. I'm well enough. The only thing that's happened to me in all of this is I've had a red-hot iron land on my foot. <laughs> and that's so obviously painful that it masks all the stuff that I'm really doing. Yeah. And that actually, when I do the takings, after the collection, I count it all up and see if I've got enough to nip into the pub after the service. Mm -hmm. I mean, there'll be all sorts of things like that, because actually this guy's effectively his own boss. 
if he's a source local vicar, I mean, he will report to wherever. But in terms of running his own account, he's got himself in some tricky waters there. What's he going to do? Let the account get found out to be dodgy and then blame it on the church warden while he's in rehab? That's what's going to happen, isn't it? I suppose if he did two do-goes in rehab, come back, shed some light on what's going on, then maybe they can convince the vicar to go. And it's the age-old thing, isn't it, in terms of the psychodynamic? The problem is the people who are the most obvious. Yeah. When you're missing the fact that actually it's the symptom of the people who are the most obvious, the problem is more than that. Yeah. The symptom is that he's dropped the arm because she's bumped into him. Yeah. That's the symptom, not the problem. Yeah. And he's looking on them as the problem, where actually they're the symptoms. Yeah. Because they're all drunk, they're all drunk. evidently. Like that other one we read, I think if two of them go to rehab, mm. it's going to expose the problem in the other one. Yeah, definitely. Which is probably not a bad thing. Can you imagine the confessions that are fantastic? Well, I would say it looks like the Reverend Fortescue has a problem. Yeah, I just saw it then. And the problem is not what he thinks it is, no. strangely enough. Mm. Funny how that happens, isn't it? Oh, Anyway, let's have a quote, Ronnie. Right, so, today we have George Best. Um, George Best? Yeah. Well, I think we have some idea what angle he might be taking. Yeah, 100%. So, George Best, right. In 1969, I gave up women and alcohol. It was the worst 20 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the unrepentant alcoholic. Yeah, they gave him a new liver in the end, didn't they? And that failed. I just like the uh, 1969 gave up women. And also it's got the flippancy yeah. of the unrepentant alcoholic. It's making a joke out of something that isn't actually funny when you drink like he did. And of course his drinking and womanising was really quite public. Mm -hmm. And while it's painted as being a sort of sportsman playboy, it was the same with the racing driver, wasn't it, with James Hunt? Yeah. Uh, and he died terribly young, didn't he? Yeah. It's this idea of kind of romanticising being a drunk, basically. Mm. And look at what happened to Amy Winehouse. Oh, look at what happened to Brian Jones. Look at what happened to Jim Morrison. Look at what happened to Mama Cass. Mm. We're into 27 Club territory now, aren't we? And George Best lasted a lot longer than that. But there was very much the image of the playboy about him. And yeah, that, was, wasn't it? that flippant comment. It started as we're going to get onto excuses. One of the excuses I made as soon as I was aware of what the 12 steps were yeah. was I would just say, I can't help being drunk, I'm powerless. <laughs> My complete misreading of step one was yeah. that this gave me license to drink, to drink. and to behave in, even worse. I never looked at it like that, because luckily. Well, I saw it and I didn't really contextualise it, mm. understand it, let alone feel it. Powerless over alcohol. Yeah. And it was my twisted alcoholic brain seeing this as, this is my reason, this, this is, is my yeah. carte blanche, this is my explanation to my family, yeah. this is why rehab didn't work the first time I went. And, and I do wonder if, on the one hand, George Best maybe made no attempt to recover. And it doesn't that sound right, does it? But also... This isn't just about the image he had with his mates. Mm. This is about his entire public image. Yeah. And his entire public image 
in the media was based one around what he could do on the pitch but two around the merry mayhem when he was drunk when he was drunk a bit like Harry Winehouse as well yeah and it became who he was mm. who he was was a footballer who whenever he wasn't scoring goals was mm -hmm. getting drunk and it's easy to forget that he was finished at a relatively young age as a well, player and he's not the only footballer to end up that way either I mean look at Gaza mm. he's still fighting isn't he and he looks like a shadow of himself yeah. now. I suppose it's particularly tragic when you've got a public figure saying something like that mm -hmm. and then knowing the road he took and, and how it ended yeah, up ended. with having been given a new liver and then still not understanding that he needed to not drink. Yeah. And for every George Best or, or Gaza or, or whoever, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of ordinary people who drink like that yeah. and then do their jobs, whatever their jobs are. And if they don't do something about recovery, they will end up like George Best. Yes. So while I think there's something funny about that quote in this, oh yeah, it's the words, uh, <laughs> yeah. the laughter's a bit hollow. Yeah. Because really it's not funny. And it's the blackest of black humour, really, Absolutely. because it's, I'm never going to stop, is what he's really saying, isn't it? Giving up, it's not happening in the face of death. And it's trivialising something that is no joke. Right, I believe it's now time for a dialogue. I wonder what we're in for today. So, have you found anything useful for me? Volunteering? I'm not sure. What are you not sure about? I don't know. It's what? Am I ready? How long's it been now? Nearly ten months. Ten months? Yeah. But well, you're a full-time job for the first year. Some say that, some don't. It's like the 90 days thing. It didn't come from AA or NA. It came from a judge. Did it? Yeah. Anyway, you're hiding behind the first year thing. Am I? Yes. Well, let's look at what you've done in the last year, shall we? But I... And stop saying but. How can I? You've joined a football team. Started going out socially with them. You've done some work on the side. And you've spent a lot of time shopping and running after women. Does that just about sum it up? That's not fair. It's not about what's fair. It's about what's relevant to your recovery and what's helpful. Is it? Yes, and this is precisely why I think you need to start doing some volunteer work. Oh, I suppose so. Instead of choosing various courses at a local college, telling me you signed up for them and then withdrawing from them at the last minute, usually claiming that they've been cancelled. I spoke to the bloke from Meadowbrook. You what? I didn't even ring him about you, but he mentioned you in passing. I think some of those courses were cancelled. Indeed they were. And Mr Stonefield did remark on your uncanny ability to select courses in which nobody else was interested. In fact, he was amazed when you picked floral manicures and basket weaving for ESOL speakers. Mm, that was a joke. I... A joke? Really? Yeah. I... I failed to see how that's funny. No, I don't see it now either. Fact is, you need to find something to do. Something for you. Doesn't matter how much you lie to me, it's only yourself you'd be valuing and hurting. I know, but... You need to find something productive to I do. I don't know what I want to do. Then try something. But what if... What if you don't like it? Yeah, or I might not be any good at it. Then you'll know it isn't for you. Then why try it? Look, you're not just going to waltz back into the world of work as if nothing happened. It would really help you if you were able to show what you've been doing with your time at the moment. Yeah, if I start doing things, won't they get more benefits? That's unlikely, and it shouldn't be a factor anyway. I don't see the point of doing anything unless it pays. Then find a job. But I... When was the last time you worked? And I mean work legally, paid tax 
if you just do nothing, how are you going to get ready for work? But whatever I do, the DWP against that, I'm like, you know, I'm quite incredible, aren't I? So you just want to play the sickness card the rest of your life, is that it? Well, no, but I don't see the point of volunteering. Why not? Because it's not paid. Well, that's part of it, yeah. And which employer out there is going to hand you a paid job right now? And where would you get a reference from? I can get my last boss to. Your uncle? Yeah. Your uncle who'll write anything to keep your mum happy and keep you out of their way? Well, it's not quite like that, is it? Hang on. Didn't he sack you three years ago? Not exactly. How do you not exactly sack someone? Well, he told me not to come back until I sorted myself out. So, have you asked him about going back to work for him? No. Why not? Because he doesn't pay that much and it's a lot of work. I see. There is an undeniable pattern emerging here. Is there? What do you see yourself doing in five years' time? Why then? Uh, owning my own house, maybe? Getting married? Oh, just slow down. How are you going to get there in five years? I'll get a job. What job? I don't know yet. Here's what I think. You don't want to volunteer because you're lazy, claiming every benefit you can and pretending to be more ill than you are. As such, you'll only work in some fantasy job where you get paid lots of money for doing absolutely nothing. Am I right? Way too hard. You need to do something. Something will come up. See there, outside. Look at the unicorn. Look at the bird. Oh dear. There's someone who's been caught out. I love the going to select courses that are either undersubscribed yeah. or keep getting cancelled. Well, which course did he opt for? Oh, it was something about floral manicures, wasn't it? Yeah. Basket weaving. Basket I mean, weaving, that's it. And the suggestion that this is a pathway to work. I mean, for someone it might be. Could be. <laughs> but in the circumstances, this is just a guy who's going out of his way not to engage with doing anything. Yeah, just to, to pull his quota. I've never believed that you can just ignore the world turning as you come into recovery. I mean, it does say in the big book, you know, citizens of the world and all of that. Yeah. And it can take considerable time to get back to some form of work. Mm -hmm. That can take years. But doing something worthwhile and productive can be a bit of volunteering to begin of with. Of course it can, yeah. Just and it gives that self-validation and it gives you more self-esteem to know that does. actually yeah. I can be trusted with a set of keys. Yeah. I can be trusted to do this. I can be asked to do this. I can turn up. Whereas if I'm just sitting in a dry house saying, I'm okay, I'm clean and sober. No. The fact is, is that after a couple of years, I'm going to drink, use, or both. Yeah. And this evasion of responsibility, this evasion of engaging with the world is a dangerous thing. When I focused on not drinking, the inevitable result was I drank. <laughs> and this doesn't mean I have to go in like a bull in a china shop, like I did on one occasion, go flying back to work and trying to change the world. Yeah, That's yeah. not going to work either. It's very much a question of finding this middle ground, which is different for all of us, I suppose. Finding the balance and making sure you're not overdoing it, overstressing yourself out, and, but then, and at the same time, not doing nothing. I think, for me, doing a bit of volunteering was about rubber stamping my recovery. Yeah. It was to say, look, I've done this, there's no booze involved now, mm -hmm. I'm doing AA, I'm trying to be a better person and all that, but actually, the fact that I can go and do something for someone else, the fact that I can go and do something and be trusted to do it, this is a stamp yeah. that says, actually, I'm on my way to joining the world. It's as good as an, another job, yeah. It's, it's only pay you, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, being given responsibility and 
and something that you go get up for because that would be part of your plan that'd be as part of your your routine and make sure you stick to it i mean what i did have to learn was that it doesn't mean going back to what i used to do yeah. and it, it doesn't invalidate what i do now because it's not what i used to because mm -hmm. i used to be in a pretty high powered job mm -hmm. but actually right now i don't want to go back no, to that no, 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 no. and if i ever do get back to that level it's going to take me quite some time to get there yeah but it's more about having the thing that I do that shows that I'm able to do something. Yeah, and it might be just one afternoon of volunteering. Because the amount of energy it's taking this guy in the dialogue to actually avoid doing anything. <laughs> he might as well be doing something. He might as well have just done it. Surely it's just easier just to get one day a week done and that's it. Whatever it is. And also I don't think it's a tick box exercise. No. Because if I'm constantly evading it, then it is a tick box exercise. Yeah. I just want my key worker to believe I'm doing something sure, else yeah, yeah, apart from going to meetings. Yeah. And if I can do that, that gets him off my back and it means I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. That for me is addictive thinking. It's not rational thinking. Mm -hmm. It's me trying to avoid what someone else is suggesting that I do. It's mm -hmm. me trying to avoid listening to someone else. Yeah. It's me finding my own solutions. Mm -hmm. And while this dialogue is quite funny, it's a fairly common conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it's I think. Heard it a few times. To be fair, I've kept myself busy probably a little bit too much sometimes. But you know, I found a, I found a balance definitely. But yeah, I've def I know of people that are doing absolutely nothing for it. And also, I'm not sure that I can sustain recovery if all I'm doing is I'm going to the rooms and I'm saying I'm all right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one that gets bored easily. Oh no, no. And while I have to know my limits, I need to know that I'm doing something. So something, yeah this idea of just going out of my way to avoid doing anything. How do I expect to live? Because yeah. the big question in my head, of course, is can I do it at all? And the fact is I can. And the mere fact of trying to do it. And okay, I might do something that I don't like. And then decide to do something else. But that's fine too. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of hope for the guy in this dialogue because he's got no intention of doing anything at all, has he? He doesn't want to do a thing, a single thing. And maybe he wants it all given to him. Mm -hmm. and he seems to be expecting a high-paid job for doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> land on his well, that's unfortunately a common problem too. And I think the conversation in itself is particularly pertinent to rehab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Because one of the things that rehabs face, of course, is taking people through the initial treatment process and informing them and educating them about what is going on, mm. giving them the opportunity to get back on their own feet. Yeah. And then once I've been given that opportunity, I then have to use what's available to me to try and find something for me. Definitely. Yeah. And and while rehabs do offer that, I mean changes offers an awful lot of that. Yeah, they do. It's part of the, the overall model of changes, volunteering and going to permit to work and going back to work. And it's part of the way the organisation is sustained. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is people have to engage with it. Definitely. And I think it's such a common thing that you find people thinking the job is done mm -hmm. when they've been through treatment. Oh, it's quite scary when you hear them stories that yeah, I'm fixed. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I'm fixed. I'm fixed, I'm all right now. Not touching food for six months. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> I know this fear. Fuck everything and run. No, face everything and recover. Mm. The world is still turning and we're still in it, thankfully. 
Anyway, we have more news on the rehab story, don't we? Yes. Because Jamie, as I understand it, is he is now in rehab, mm-hmm. and we've had him writing to his flatmate, mm-hmm. asking for fags and drugs, yeah, and not really getting on with things. Whereas I think we have a rather different letter today, don't well, we? Yeah, we've got a letter to his mum today, and basically, you wouldn't think it was the same person. No, absolutely not. Having read it through, I would say that the degree of engagement from him now is so contrary to the way he was when he went in. Yeah, and I don't know if it, it, it's changed. It's only been a short while, so I don't know if much much could have changed in that. But it sounds like he's had a, a, a miracle change in there, and it's. But I do believe it's just to please his mum, and please his mum is just to let her know that he's doing well, and it's a completely different angle. So yeah, and I think it's also consistent with this idea that sometimes people come to rehab not yeah. knowing why, or they're made to, or they feel they have to to shut their families and friends up or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. but they end up staying for the right reasons yeah because yeah. suddenly there's a door that opens, opens and a light up that comes on and i think this letter's part of that isn't it yeah so hi mum hope you're okay and not missing me too much well i've started to settle in well now and can't wait to see you again everything's going to be okay as i am starting to understand what causes my drinking we have groups every day like mini lessons at school they teach us to be more open and honest about ourselves. I'm enjoying it here and get on with everyone. We start the day by doing little jobs around the house, like the bathrooms and hoovering the stairs. They call it therapeutic duties. Then we have our meds and then breakfast. We do have to cook for ourselves, but that's okay because I'm learning to cook different things every day. Last night I made a lasagna and everyone loved it. I will have to make one for you when I get out. Only about seven weeks left now, I think. It's like they take you all to pieces and slowly put you back together to show us how you work and think. We have a drama class every week, not looking forward to it. Some of the groups are a big person like Mr Mentor asks us all to talk about ourselves and not hold anything back. They say I'm doing well and think I will do just fine. There's a couple of people I get on with quite well, one lad and a girl. Don't worry, I'm not trying to find a new girlfriend. think I'll be back together with Sarah when I'm out. So I'm going to be just good friends with her. Jason, my mate, is cool as well. He's very similar to me when it comes to our drinking and stuff. He's married and his wife has made him come here to save their marriage. He drank the way I did after work and weekends, not like some of the people in here who were on it morning till night. I have to call myself an alcoholic, but I know I'm not. I just say it anyway to keep the peace. I know I won't drink again, maybe just on special occasions. All of the staff are very nice and they get on with pretty much all the other people doing treatment. We have to say a prayer at the end of every group about serenity, higher power they call it. Apparently, if I say certain prayers it will help me get better. Sounds a bit strange to me, but hey, it's part of the programme so I'll do it. Oh, I have a support officer who I meet once a week to discuss things. I don't want to share in group, so I'll let you know how that goes. Probably some sort of stream. Anyway, I'll catch up with you soon, Jamie. Kiss, kiss, kiss. P.S. Can you send me some fags and cocoa in the morning, please, as I have lunch cramps? Well, what I see here is a bit more engagement. There are still some reservations, of course. Yeah. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just saying it to keep them quiet, yeah. and maybe I'll just drink on special occasions. Now, yeah. there's a reservation in the heart. It's doomed. And he's still asking for cocoa tomorrow. Yeah. So he's not quite got it, has he? But there's a great deal of hope for him. A lot more hope for Jamie than uh, there was for the Reverend Fortescue at the I beginning, mean, in his letter. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, I just see it as like he's starting to, I think it's a little bit like myself when I was in treatment, I just kind of done what they were telling me to do and yeah. slightly had different beliefs. I didn't believe I was an alcoholic, I just thought, you know what, they're not going to believe that I'm not an alcoholic, but there's no convincing them and I just went along with it. It was only until I found out about what alcoholism was that I realised actually I was and I think you're going through the same process with that group that seems to be just doing them for the sake of doing them but starting to find them a bit interesting so maybe Jamie isn't going to be as much hard work as he thought he was in the letter to his mate John because that letter was like get me out of here wasn't it and to be fair he's not been in for very long no, no, and the fact is he stayed in the seat well seven weeks so we're looking around a week he's been in there hasn't he? and a lot of it's about that you don't expect many people to go in and say yes sir no sir three bags full sir and the parts of the week he's just fitting in isn't it and getting used to it I mean that's the hardest week and he seems yeah, to be adapting quite quickly if what he's saying on there let's say he's saying on there is correction as well and not just to please her what we need to see is what develops over the coming weeks don't we yeah I think it, don't worry I'm, uh, I've, got, I've got some thoughts anyway briefly I will mention now we don't have details of the exploits of the Alicats this week, although there was a message from Reg awaiting for me this morning. I don't know how Reg has managed to do this. Really? He said that he is holed up in a barn somewhere just outside Sheffield. Okay. This being because he's having to take a different strategy to what he originally planned, because unfortunately, Selena, the cousin, She's so obsessed with moving furniture that Reg is having to take considerable advice as to how to approach this. Um, and he may yes, have to move extra yeah. furniture to the site where Lula is being right, held okay. in order to pacify Selena. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's ordered a special wardrobe yeah. for Selena to move around. Okay. And because <laughs> it's collapsible and it can be put back together again, it oh. means that she can come up with any number of diversions while this is going on. So the rescue attempt will stand as, but Selena will be messing about with this wardrobe and getting in the way all the time. I don't know, this is rescue. There's gonna be some very confused humans there when these cats start doing all of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually getting confused myself. It sounds well, too much. I feel it a great privilege that Reg actually communicated with us. Extraordinary yeah. thing, really. Because uh, while I've always thought, I wish they could talk, I now have concrete proof. I've had an email from Reg himself. From Reg, yeah. And he did say thank you for telling the story. And anyway, we'll see, unless it's someone impersonating him, and that's always possible. Oh, that's so possible, so someone it? could be taking me for a ride here. Yeah. Anyway, we had some response to my asking for excuses. And this is not the top ten. This is just a handful of what we had. And we're very glad of what we had on Facebook, on Twitter, and elsewhere. In and no particular order. And in no particular order. For not going to rehab, I can't go through withdrawal. For me, this is an I can't, I won't. Yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? It's just simple. He's not doing it. It's just an, an excuse. Is it fear? Is it, I know that withdrawal can be nasty. Mm. But the reality is that the only way to deal with alcohol withdrawal is to do it with medical supervision or mm. some supervision. Because if you don't, it can kill you. And you also need some form of supervision if you're going through opioid withdrawal because it yeah. has to be managed and that has to be managed very carefully in terms of reduction. It's not as potentially immediately fatal as alcohol withdrawal, but it's just as tricky because it's over time, it's, it's longer, and it requires a lot more persistence to yeah, do a, an opioid detox or a benzo detox because they can't be done in 10 days. 
whereas the alcohol de detox is a lot more physically mm. dangerous. Yeah, I remember because I was doing it for an, an organisation and they actually told me to have a drink because there's some mistakes and then they haven't had a drink. Yeah. And when I told them, I told them they said, you need to have a drink and I was like, yay. Well, that for me is a sign that a rehab knows what it's doing. Yeah. If they say you can't just stop. Mm. Ah, I'm different. No. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? I'm special and different, I am. No, what you do with alcohol is not the same as what I do. Yeah. No, I can control it. I just decide when I'm going to have a complete blast out and blackout. Yeah. And I make sure that I planned everything so I don't do anything too awful. Yeah. And I know that the night's going to end in a certain way. And I'm, yeah, I know. But I'm different. They can't treat me. Yeah. Because I'm unique. Yeah. As we all are. No one understands. I've been to psychiatrists. I've been to counsellors. I've been to alcohol groups. I've been to those reduction programs where they give me a drink diary and I lie on it and they tell me I'm getting better whereas when I put the truth on it they tell me I'm lying mm -hmm. so I keep lying I've been to all these places and they don't understand how awful my life is my life is so awful so I have to drink yeah you think your and life is the way I've had that one that was my excuse one of my excuses and because no one understands me I'm different to everyone else because I have to use alcohol and drugs to change the way I feel and my mood yeah. Yeah, so does everybody else. Because there's something wrong with the way I feel. So that means that I've got some condition they haven't found yet. You've hit the nail on the head. Because it's, it's not alcohol and drugs I, I need dealing with. It's my mental health. Mm. That was actually quite a few put together into one, wasn't it? I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, was like, yeah. I think anyway, it's not the drugs, it's my mental health. Yeah. It's one I've heard many a time. It's I need to find another excuse yeah. for the way I am. I need to find another label. I need to find a label. It's not necessarily about the social acceptability of the label, because actually, in terms of the job market, mm. a mental health diagnosis can be really quite damning yeah. in some in some places for all this supposed increased awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this idea that it's something else that needs dealing with to mm. deflect from the alcohol and drugs is a very common thing, isn't it? Yeah. I know best. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I knew best for 45 years. There aren't many things I didn't lose in that 45 years. And when I think of what I've got back in the last four, mm -hmm. it makes me wonder just what I was doing when I thought I knew best. Because yeah. I obviously didn't know best. And I like this stuff about what people say when they're in a treatment setting. The staff are either negligent or incompetent. Oh, yeah. They're mugging me off. They don't listen to me anyway. They said it's my fault. Which is all a euphemism for, they're challenging me and I don't like it. Yeah. They're telling me I'm wrong about something and I can't be wrong. Yeah, and I know best. And my perception of my story is the only one and therefore the right one. Mm -hmm. And what do they know and they don't... Yeah, they're all fucking liberals, don't they? So long, can't and when I went into treatment, I had no perspective and I knew I had no perspective. Mm -hmm. And part of my finding that perspective was allowing other people to tell me what they saw. God told me to do it. Oh, God told me to do it. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> Get away with murder. God said life. to me, you can't help yourself, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. God said to me, those drugs were meant to be taken. Meant to be taken. God said to me, look, you've got these on the cheap. Why not take them? God said to me, it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, God told me to do it. I love it. And I love the ones about words, like, look at what that bitch did to me at work. Yeah. 
without actually referencing the incident or anything. Mm -hmm. And this great thing that we do in treatment of saying, oh, it was so awful, I can't describe it. Mm. Of suggesting yeah, that yeah, something yeah. that's happened that's so incredible and so different from everybody else yeah. that you can't possibly talk about it because no one would identify with it. But you then refuse to reveal what that thing is. Mm. And you keep asking for different people to talk to and still refusing to reveal yeah. something. And the chances are it's not something that no one else has done. Exactly. It's not something that's never been heard before. Because in that situation, I want to be precious about what, uh, what belongs to me. Yeah. And I want to make myself unique. I need to be there for my kids. I can't leave my dog. Mm -hmm. My cat might get lost and never come back. Oh. All these domestic excuses. I might lose my flat. I gave up mine to come in. Yeah, so I, I gave up my, my living my space. Because I thought, what does it mean? If, if I come back here and I drink again, all they're going to do is find me dead in it. Well, this is it, isn't it? That's what you've got to look at. There's no point in having a dog, definitely. You can't feed the dog from the grave. There's no point in having all of that stuff. No point in having it if, you, if you're dead. Because that's what ultimately what's going to happen. That's what happens in it. Yeah, and you can't take anything with you, can you? And I like these, the stuff about I know. It's not just I know best. It's It didn't work last time Yeah. going to rehab. It didn't work when I went to AA. They can't tell me anything I don't know already. Only I know my story. Mm -hmm. Only I know what I need to do. I know, I know, I know. Where that put me was in the situation where I was deciding outcomes before anything had happened. Yeah. I was deciding that AA wouldn't work when actually yeah. what wasn't working was me was, was you. accessing AA. Yeah not giving it a chance they'll try and brainwash me maybe your brain needs washing. washing it's too far away from home I'm not telling a bunch of strangers about my life they don't know me I need to work well and that I need to work or I can't pay for things but actually you're spending all your money well, on what on what drugs and alcohol and or and it's blindness isn't it mm -hmm. I need to do this I need to do that only I know this. It's complete blindness and it's looking at anything that isn't the actual problem. Yeah. It strikes me that it's actually easier to stop, face the music and do my best to access recovery than going to all this trouble to try and explain away the way that I don't have a problem mm. when actually the whole world can see that I do. That you do. And the amount of mental energy it takes, because not only have you got to give the excuse, You've also got to follow it through and prove that what you're saying is right. Which we all know is not going to happen. And the amount of time I expended trying to prove that I could drink safely. Mm. And this last one I think is particularly pertinent today because we've read the letter from Jamie. Yeah. And we've seen the guy in the dialogue who won't engage with doing anything else and is an excuse maker in himself. And also in the letter, we've had this guy who refuses to look at himself, but he's blaming his family, his wife and the church warden. Mm. I'm not going because I need to go. I'm going because my family's saying I need yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to shut my family up and I'm not staying. Mm. I'm in control of this still. It's still because I'm going to make it look to my family like I don't need this. So if I leave in, in advance of time, I'm then going to tell my family it didn't work. 
and make sure I've got my ducks in the row with my excuses for why it didn't work. But then, of course, if I pick a drink up again, I've got to package it to them in a certain way. Yeah. And it's this idea of I'm not staying can actually pervade for for the whole course of treatment. Yeah, of course. As long as you're focusing on getting to the end of it rather than missing. Yeah, and rather than actually engaging with it, it's just this is to be endured. And rehab in itself is not to be endured. I mean, it might feel that way at times. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. But to actually do those however many weeks you do, engaging with it is really the key to it. Well, it's not when you don't use it. No. As I mean, you say, it's, it's just... And if I'm engaged, then there's some hope I might learn something yeah. and something might change. Mm-hmm. But if I don't engage, what is going to change? You know, is the car going to start if I just sit there and look at the ignition? <laughs> If I sit there and pretend to drive in the front seat, is the car going to stop? Of course it isn't. Of course not. If I go to the bank and they say, what do you want? And I don't tell them, are they going to magically be able to read my mind and say, oh, of course we can do that for you, sir. If I don't engage with them, what happens? Excuses are, are my reason not to engage with whatever it is. And if I don't engage in a it's really important to recognize that because not everybody that goes through a rehab process is necessarily going to sustain it however i've got far more chance of sustaining it if i'm engaged with what they're doing even if i don't believe a word they're saying to me to start with no just listen you're there anyway so you might as well just listen yeah so that's it for today, isn't it? Yes, um, that is it for today. Anyone who's been affected in any way by what we have said or done, we hope in a positive way, yes. but if it has brought anything up for you and you think you need help, then please, please take it when it's offered. Please, please seek it. There are plenty of places out there that offer this. And sometimes it's just a question of picking up the phone. And with that, it's good night from me and it's good night from him. Good night. From him, from Ronnie. Good night. Have a good week.